Hi, welcome to the inaugural podcast of the Chippa Made This Productions. At least that's what I think I'm going to call it, and that's what we'll be calling the YouTube channel. Um, I'm Chris Chipman, also known as the Chippa on Twitter and other places on the internet, and this is my wife, Sarah. Hi. Um, you may have recognized me from um, the Chipman Brothers Tangent, which is also a creation of the Chippa Made This. Um with uh, Movie Bob, my brother Bob Chipman, and you might recognize me and my wife Sarah from Cinemaspection, which we often do um, with the folks over at Cinemaspection, Tim and Corinne. Um, so a little shout out to other places you may have heard us. We'll be sharing their content and they'll be sharing ours, I'm sure. Um, okay, so on to this podcast. So we have a 20-month-old yes. at this point. Yes, she um, is. We're new parents, our first child, it's a girl, um, and we both are children of the 80s and 90s, and um, consider ourselves to be very geeky about the things we like. So we had thought, you know, there's plenty of books out there, um, uh, Geek Parenting, I believe is a book, I, I own it, I love it, um, there's Film Geek 2.0, um, and other things like that, that kind of focus, you know, on movies and film. And, um, you know, we thought, you know, hey, just as common geeks raising a kid, it might be a cool idea to try out a uh, parent geek podcast. So we'll be calling this Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. And the idea is we pick something from our childhood, whether it's a movie, a video game, a board game, something that just meant a lot to us um, and you know, we'll bounce back between something that meant a lot to my wife, something that meant a lot to me. Um, obviously, take some of your input. Maybe there's things that we've never even seen that you can share with the world through our podcast. And um, in this particular one, um, we've chosen to look at Gem and the Holograms, which was kind of the, I don't even know what I would call it, the, the female equivalent to like the He-Man type stuff, but there was She-Ra for that. So what, what, if you had to describe it without going into detail about what it was about, what? It was kind of, um, I don't know, I'm not really sure. What comes to mind is it was kind of like almost competing with Barbie, because there was Barbie and the Rockers around the same time, but I don't know, I think it was kind of a, its own thing. I mean, I really can't think of a, a male version of a bunch of girls that sit, you know, a bunch of, you know, a male cartoon, the equivalent of a bunch of girls singing. So I don't, I don't know, like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> well, okay, I guess we can get into that when we talk about it. But um, you know, uh, a little background information on what Gem and the Holograms was is it? You know, it came from the long line of particularly eighties children's television that um wanted to sell merchandise, and so Gem, which is who the show was about, um, and the show was also called Gem or Gem and the Holograms. It was an American animated television series that ran from 1985 to 1988 in the U.S. The series is about a music company owner, Jerrica Benton, her singer alter ego, Jem, her band The Holograms, and their adventures. Woo. The series was a joint collaboration by Hasbro <clears throat> Toys, Sunbro Productions, Marvel Productions, all three of which were the same creative team responsible for G.I. Joe, Cha-Ching, Cha-Ching, and Transformers, cha-ching, cha-ching. The creator of the series, Christy Marks, has also been a staff writer for all of those previous shows. So she was working. Um, the animation for most of the episodes was provided by the Japanese animation studio 
Toei Doga. And if they don't sound familiar, their list goes on for miles. But I think um, for anyone listening to this, I could say two major ones, Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon, and many video games created from these subjects as well as their others. So, um, yeah, they make lots of money and lots of stuff. Um, and in the 80s, uh, U.S. companies were farming out um, all of their animation, and it still is done this way. Um, and that's why we can, we'll probably talk about during this, there's some similarities between the animation style, particularly of Sailor Moon and Gem and the Holograms. Um, other thing that we're really not going to talk much about here, number one, because we haven't seen it, and number two, because we've heard it's god-awful and it looked god-awful, was that there was a Gem and the Holograms movie made in 2015 based in what it sounds like in name only to this cartoon. Yep. It was incredibly poorly received. I think ran in the theaters for about a week and okay. is one of the lowest grossing films of uh, the last 10 years, at least, if not longer. I saw the trailer and it was so bad. I started yelling in the middle of the theater. And People I near me probably thought I was crazy, but it was that bad. I think that was the reaction of most. I mean, I'd say let this type of television show um, be for the uh, Hannah Montana sect and things are at least an original creation instead of just trying to rip something out of a generational time warp. There you go. It's the 80s version of Hannah Montana. The Gem and the Holograms kind of came from and sticking it nowadays but trying to get the YouTube um, teeny bopper kind of thing. It just didn't seem to work. Okay, so um, since uh, this is more, you know, my wife's generation, number one being a female, not that a show about females has to be specifically centered to girls, but this is the 80s. Things were a lot different than all of the advertising and everything was very girl-centric. So I'll let her lead off. What was your initial experience with Jem? I watched it back in the 80s when it was first on. I don't know how old I was. I must have been seven or eight. I know I was Jem for Halloween. I think my mother made the costume, if I remember, and I'm pretty sure it's up in our attic in our costume box. That's Pink awesome. wig and all. And I had a bunch of the dolls. I actually dug them out of my dad's gara uh, garage a couple weeks ago, and they're played with. Jem has a yellow marker nose. Um, her hair is disheveled. <laughs> they're half-dressed. But I still have them. And it's pretty cool, and I've actually stumbled upon a Facebook fan page and a toy company that's making, you know, newer dolls now to go with the cartoon. So it seems like it's coming back around again. That makes me excited, because I'd kind of forgotten about it a little bit. And one night, Netflixing, and... Um, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, I was trying to find something on Netflix while doing laundry for our toddler, who we'll refer to as A. We won't use her name. And I saw Jem, and I got really, really, really excited. Because, like, oh, I haven't seen Jem since I was, like, six! Which was, like, 30 years ago. Dating myself there. Um, but I love the show. It's a lot of fun. I've probably watched it now four or five times through. I have the music on an app called SoundCloud on my phone. So that I can rock out to Jem in the car. Um... My our toddler watches it with me. She has no idea what's going on, but likes the music. Um, but that's about my experience with the show. Cool. Well, my initial experience is I really only knew of Gemma and the Holograms by name. Um, I bet you if you had asked me when I was, you know, in my early teens, I would have looked back on it and confusing it with maybe Bananarama or 
the banana splits, you know, or some other band related show that I just had glimpses of from my childhood, but it wasn't something I watched. Um, I mean, the, the kind of gender, um, gender bridging cartoons that I saw when I was little, you know, we, we watched rainbow bright, even though that was more of a girl centric cartoon care bears could kind of move in the middle. Um, Barbie, everyone knew about Barbie, you know what I mean? Whether or not you were a girl who had the dolls or not, but Jim, Jim was kind of this like, like club almost where it's like, this is the thing that the uh, girls that were, you know, in their early teens or whatever, were kind of doing behind closed doors. It was like an exclusive club and it, it really wasn't a scene, you know, that I knew anything about. I knew MTV. It kind of had like an MTV feel now that I'm looking back on it, but I didn't really have an initial experience with watching the show. So now that it's on Netflix, as Sarah said in our, you know, next stage of the podcast to be the revisiting stage is kind of the idea. It's able to be found on Netflix. You can watch all of it. She's loving the hell out of it um, from a nostalgia standpoint. And I'm kind of getting a glimpse into something that I'd say akin to maybe showing someone that never watched G.I. Joe or Transformers for the first time. It's a time capsule. Like, I, I don't think there's much in the world right now that's delivered this way. I could see maybe this being like a YouTube creation, like nowadays. But, I mean, I, I read a little bit of the idea of having a kids TV show that was staged with music videos helping move the plot along was unheard of. And they didn't think it was going to work. And I, I think that's really well, cool. I read something that it started with six minute Se- like segments on like a morning cartoon or something. Um, I don't really get it because I'm watching it. I'm like, how could you do this in six minutes? It doesn't make much sense. Well, maybe so, it was just the music videos. Maybe they created the band and the, well, the music videos like a minute and a half. Well, right. I'm thinking is they they just took like the first couple episodes and then hacked them into six second intervals, six minute intervals. But then I know they released the first five or six episodes as a whole movie back. Well, I mean, we, we see that they do that with similar children's TV show. Disney's big on Disney that, does right? that, yeah. They do that a lot. There's usually a, a quick one-hour movie that would go ahead of the first episodes of the first season. They do it with um, a lot of the princess Disney Junior shows. Well, if you, if you think about that, I mean, nowadays we've got the internet. Uh, people don't watch commercials so much anymore. But, right, you know, sticking a 10-minute segment or 6-minute segment in between the shows they're already watching of the new show was kind of how you advertise stuff yeah. right back in the day. So that that is cool. I mean, th- think about this, the delivery of this stuff to children. You know, since, again, this is a, a podcast about parenting, I wonder if the parents were even aware of it. Like, I wonder if our parents were aware that this stuff was being advertised to us, right? I mean, it now we... We have everything's available to us at our fingertips, right? But before it was, it was delivered to children almost with subliminal advertising during other things that were making these companies money. And man, wouldn't it be great if Netflix ran the commercials of these? Like, wouldn't it be amazing if you could see? The I want to get a DVD of, 80s of just toy all old eighties toy that's, commercials. That's in fact, that should be another episode of this podcast because because I don't see that anymore. I mean, we watch children's TV. We have a toy young, commercials are lame. Toy commercials are lame and that like I mean they're for mem- stupid toys like stuffed animals that flip in and out, flip a zoos. The stupid well, It's kinda of like a popple. Yeah. I mean it's kind of the same but idea. But it turns into a completely different animal. At least the popple is a ball you can play with. Yeah. Who needs a giraffe that turns into a unicorn? Good point. Or something like that. Good point. And so with I- an annoyingly catchy jingle like the cars for kids one. 
<laughs> and and so me, you know, like I said, for me revisiting it, um, it's a positive, I'd say for me. Um, it's, you know, like we said, these are the people that did Sailor Moon. These are the people that did Dragon Ball. Um, the animation quality is a lot better than, say, He-Man and She-Ra, um, which was pretty god-awful in revisiting, which we can talk about in another one of these. Um, and, you know, it kind of falls in the line with the, the Ghostbusters animated show or, or Ninja Turtles which came along a little later. Um, it, it's it's a high production value for what it is. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I, I just think it's a cool little time capsule, and I think it, it holds up mostly. Um, what, what about you? Uh, I love the show. I put it on in the background. I like the music. It you know, brings me back to being a kid, and I watch it, and I'm like, I, I must not have been all there watching this because there are a lot of plot holes so if you're an adult watching it just just suspend your belief there's a lot of like plot holes and head scratching moments you're like but she basically just gave away her secret identity the hell (laughs) indeed So, so, so that brings me to the the next segment of the idea of this podcast and i think the most important one talking um as a geek i'm actually gonna cut you off for a second because i forgot something we were talking about like the movie in it coming about there was also a a comic that was out the last episode which just just came out and they re- revamped the show there i had interested in reading it until i realized that just i didn't like that they changed the characters that i knew if you're gonna do something from my childhood don't mess with it if it isn't broke don't fix it leave it alone that's it you can, <laughs> you can talk now mouth unzippered <laughs> okay so so i was say leading on to the next segment is you know the, the whole point of this Thoughts on showing this show and sharing something that meant a lot to you as a child or as a teenager to your kid. And so, like I said, there's some kind of I so age appropriateness is the first one. Now, again, we have the Sesame Street um, classic throwback episodes. There's yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in another podcast, but there's something to be said about those have to come with a disclaimer that these are no longer meant for children, meant for adults. In my opinion, that's That's your number one, it's bullshit. And number two, it's your decision to make as an adult. So I'm not going to say you don't have to listen to us. If we point you in the wrong direction and you're upset about it, feel free to share it in comments. But again, this is one couple's opinion, having grown up, watched this, and thinking about um, looking back at it now. And another important thing I want to say is we'll talk about age appropriateness from content, but also we'll talk about, you know, this is an important opportunity to talk with your kids about the state of the world at the time this show was on. Some out-of-date societal items, whether it's sexism, racism, everything that was kind of maybe accepted that's a bit more taboo now. And and it's an opportunity to talk about that. And, you know, kind of like G.I. Joe, and other shows from there, this show kind of tackled some um, deeper issues, almost like an after-school program inserted kind of stuff. Drugs, alcohol abuse, um, suicide, losing family members. There was an alcohol abuse. There was an alcohol abuse. It must have just been the drugs just one. Just the drugs. Um, so, but anyway, it, it deals with those type of issues, and um, it's an important thing to, to mention as well. So first off, uh, with that caveat, I'll say age appropriateness. I look back on the show. Now, as an adult, these characters are supposed to be in their 20s, I would say. They have a house full of young kids that they're raising, foster children, children, and the the music is to pay for that. Um, Starting with that, 
I really don't know who this was targeted to. Was it targeted to the kids that were the I don't age know. age of the foster kids, or was it targeted to the early twenties? The, the foster kids. I think the youngest was maybe seven or eight. I know Bonnie is eight, but I want to say one of the other ones is younger. But I watched it, and I was probably like I said, seven, eight. Because I know after the original run up to 86 or 88, 88, I think it went off and then was back on other channels. But I, well, I was fairly young when I watched it because I dressed up as her for Halloween. Um, but I really don't know. That's where I'm kind of stuck on the age appropriateness for this. Because, well, they do tackle drugs and, you know, the death of a parent or two parents in this case isn't, um, isn't much worse than what you see on a Disney, you know, a Disney cartoon, you know, like in Frozen, we'll say, because everyone knows Frozen, you know, they, sh they, they allude to the fact that the, the Anna and Elsa's parents die in a shipwreck. One of the parents, the, the mother of Jerrica slash Jem dies in a plane crash, and you see animated plane wreck. So, but to me, that's no worse than a Disney cartoon. So what do you think? Um, but, I, I... but then there's like content in the songs, and you and I had a back and forth on this, where in one of the songs, the, Big part of the show is that Jerrica's boyfriend, Rio, is also chasing after Jem, but he never finds out that Jem and Jerrica are the same oh, and, person. And even though we described the show, I don't think we talked about that. So so the idea of the show... I was just talking about that. I know, but I, you, you jumped into it like we had already talked about I it. I was getting to Okay, it. cool. <laughs> That's another big part of the show is all throughout. He chases after Jem, no regard for the fact that he's got a girlfriend. He does ask her once or twice throughout the show, are you Gem? And she can do her little magic thing with her earring, and she makes a gem hologram appear to throw him off, but I don't think he believes her. Um, something in the third season, in an episode of the third season, leads me to believe that he he knows and he knows he's right. But he ne she never confirms it. She does try a few times, but that's one of the things that you'd have to tackle with an older child is that even though he's technically not cheating as far as he thinks it's two different women and he is but also it's an unhealthy relationship because he thinks it's two different women and he's completely fine with that it's almost like a posturing like ain't i so cool that i'm doing and this kind of thing she doesn't she doesn't stop him she's kind of into it she gets she has her like screw gem i don't want to be gem anymore tantrums a couple times where she just makes gem disappear because she's annoyed but she's kind of got herself in a rock and a hard place because she can't really call him out on it as jerica because then he'd know because how would she know she's jerica never sees him all up on gem but i mean and gem could kind of but Exactly. He's 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 two timing but and then, she can't do anything about it. What about it. the holograms? Kimber does, you know, her sister Kimber's the keyboardist for the holograms and is Jerrica's little sister and she in a moment of snappiness says something to Rio about oh, you know, he's giving her crap about having to choose between two men and she's like, Yeah, like you've had to choose between Jem and Jerrica but she's saying it more out of anger and not trying to call him out on his shit. And so one of the songs, um, is her singing, is Jem singing, who is he kissing? Is he basically kissing me or Jerrica? And one of the lines is, who is he kissing? Is it me or is he making love to a fantasy? Now, Chris over here was scandalized all, to all hell with that line. And I'm like, I don't think they meant it as literal as you are taking it. I think it was more of a, is he in love with thing? And they were just 
maybe going for, I don't know. I don't think they meant it as literal as he's taking it, but I've approached it with the fan group and they're split on it too. Some think Chris is right. Some say that I'm right. So it's, but you don't, they don't talk about sex. You don't see sex. That's the only See a lot of making out. Oh yeah. One kiss. Tons of kisses. Tons of kissing, but there's not making out. Like they, they go in for a kiss. No, it's, it's all very 80s. But then there's the 80s wardrobe. Oh boy. Love the 80s wardrobe. Super short skirts and yeah. So, but it's cartoons. It's not like they have cleavage and whatever, but. So, um, then that gets us back to the point, you know, the thing I was trying to say before we went deep into Jem and Rio, before we even mentioned what Jem is, yeah. is, you know, her, her, like Sarah said, her father dies, her mother dies, her father leaves her the music business to, it, it would seem like to light a fire under her ass. Well, no, it's to it, give her, he said it's to secure their future. So it's his way of giving her. Uh, the band works under Starlight Music, which is his music company, which is their meal ticket for Starlight Foundation, which funds the foster home, Starlight, the Starlight Girls. And also, I think it's his father's way to give Jerrica an out to have fun, because as Jerrica, she has a giant stick up Yeah, she's ass. a super prude. She's yeah. not even a prude. She's a real <laughs> nice girl, but she doesn't have fun. She's a workaholic, as... um. It would appear her dad was. Yes, and hologram comes from, so we never really explained this, is her gem is just a holographic image that is projected over her with her little gem star earrings. Um, her father made a holographic computer system called Synergy that has the the face of her mother, but purple and weird looking. <laughs> it it doesn't, it's like its eyes are closed and it's talking, it's creepy as all hell. But it, it is called Synergy. So Synergy can make holograms appear and save their asses time to time. And Synergy herself can appear. Basically what's going on in the show. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so so I, I know where I was going. So in one episode, um, Synergy refers to her as her little workaholic. So I think he knew that once he was gone, Jericho is going to put her all into making sure their little her little sister Kimber and the Starlight Girls were taken care of and wasn't going to give herself time. To have fun, to be with Rio, which is, I think, why Rio goes to Jem, because he's not getting any attention from Jerrica, it would seem. So I think he knew she would need a way to have fun, so now she's having fun, but she's making money. Win! And it's, you know, it's interesting, the the hijinks of the show, you know, because they're, they're basically, they're a band, but maybe they're also superheroes, and the, the issues that they have to deal with... There's a side of the show that's very, like, societal-based. Like, okay, we've got these young girls. Some of them fall into drug problems. Some of them have parental problems, family problems. So you get your, you know, after-school special thing of the week, which I think all still holds up. Yeah, I think I like all the it. lessons there and every... There is an episode that starts with, um, in the third season, another band, The Stingers, come in. And the lead singer, Riot, um, you see one episode is about his background. And you see that his father was in the war, and it starts out with his father reading the newspaper, and it's all about whatever the war was that was in the 80s. I think his father was actually supposed to be a Vietnam veteran. But the newspaper is from the 80s, so it's whatever the 80s yeah. war thing going on, Desert Storm or whatever. That was early 90s, so, but yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm not up with my wars. Yeah, we, this isn't a <laughs> podcast about war. Don't get us forgetting Whatever the was wrong. going on in, in, in the 80s with war and military, that was on the newspaper. And I, I thought that was kind of heavy-handed for a cartoon, but... It it read you needed that kind of um 
to have that to see the kind of man his father was to see why riots the jackass that he is well and also his father didn't accept him i mean this was a boy who you know dressed kind of effeminately played more emotional type hair band type music and um you know that could be equated to a lot of things you know in, in just feeling different you know what i mean if i'm different my father cast me out because i'm different this i find funny his father doesn't want him to play music and thinks that makes him a sissy but his real name is rory just putting that out there i'm like i have nothing against the name rory but if you're gonna but have they you don't want a sissy for a son why not a more masculine name? Yeah, they couldn't have had the Macho War veteran name him sons. <laughs> it, 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 it scratched my head. And also, Riot starts chasing after Jem, and Jem kind of falls for him. So there's like this whole love square thing going on. It's kind of fun. So there's some there's some real issues and real lessons to be taught, but then the other side of it where it gets into kind of the, you know, they have all this um, uh, electronics at their disposal and synergy that the dad made and all this that's a little bit more unbelievable and kind of well, side hard. note, it's considered a sci-fi cartoon. Yes, and also <laughs> hard to relate um, is that, you know, they have all of this money at their disposal. The money being thrown around on this show. Well, Jem isn't rich. That's the thing, is all their money goes to the Starlight Girls. The rich one is Pizzazz, who's the lead singer of the Misfits. She's your your epitome of spoiled, entitled brat. But, but, so if I watch this with my daughter when she's old enough to really, really understand, my first thing would be don't act like her. She is a royal DB. Do not behave like those three girls. But but also the side of it, you know, is that these are people dealing with problems that, you know, on the work side, that it's kind of like a, anyone getting into the music scene now, you know what I mean? It's all kind of producer controlled and all of yeah. this, you know. It, this time, it's kind of poking fun at that. It's a lot more introspective into how the music industry kind of was in the 80s, but it, it's a weird thing because it's like, this isn't any kid that we're going to have is probably life in the future, but it gives them the opportunity to also have the very, um, you know, merchandising push of, you know, it's all about going out and buying dresses and glamour and glitz and all this other stuff that's like, you know, the, like, board games where you go shopping at the motel and max out daddy's credit card and you know the everyone can have a dream house and almost like what would be done a little later in clueless yeah kind of like a similar type of thing where it's, it's you know that california well, i believe in la yeah the, the really la rich lifestyle kind of thing which... but like i said the girls like when it opens up the first starlight house where the foster girls are was actually a dump they won the mansion they live in for the rest of the show and um, a battle of the bands against the misfits. So, Gem and the holograms, Jerrica, aren't rich, and it's stated several times in the show when when people try to you know screw over Gem for money. She's like, I don't have that money. I'm not rich. What I make goes to the foster girls. I have twelve of them, or whatever how many there were. Um, Which is cool. And whenever they have to, you know, and help- Gem's wardrobe is holographic. So it's not like she spent her glitz and glamour. She spends money on it. And whenever they have to help magic. people out, you know, they they stage a concert and give the proceeds away. So it yeah. does teach some pretty cool lessons. Now, um, so back to age appropriateness and whether it's able to be shown to your kids. So before age appropriateness, it's a, no matter what age, it's really important to note that this is actually a really good empowerment show for like a young girl or even a young boy, you know what I mean? But it's it's a very female-centric, the good guys are the good women that are helping people in society, the bad guys are really spoiled brats that have a dickhead rich 
prissy boy is like their leader who's like the villain you know what i mean who ends up having the henchmen and stuff later on as you go which is hysterical just to sell more toys tech rat um who's like a flock of seagulls wannabe with a really really creepy accent and um but you know the things that you'd want to talk about is you know they they still kind of show that the only thing that's good to have in life is like being with a guy and almost being owned or taken advantage of, you know, it's all about Rio and riot and all of these other guys. It's, it's for fun, but it it can, it can be taken the wrong way. And I think it should be discussed at least, you know, discussed, but I don't think it's, it's, and again, you're, you're a mother. So I'd take your idea. I don't, I don't see it as that. I mean, obviously, I would be like, you know, that's not cool. You don't date a guy, you know, who's going to screw around on you unless you have an agreement that it's open. But to me, I don't think it's it's showing what he's saying. There isn't, like, the he owns you. Because um, Jerrica does hold her own with him from time to time and, and get mad at him. I think she gets lost in the, you know, and in, in being Jem. Because there are moments when you when she's Jem and she forgets who the hell she is. And she's like, wait. No, I'm Jen. Okay. <laughs> well, there is, there is. And she does, um, and I think she does get lost in, in having another personality, being able to let loose, and then the attention she gets from Ryu, I think she, as Jem, she likes, and again, probably forgets that he's giving it to her as Jem. Because it seems like as the show goes on, they've made Jem a, more of a real person that has separate emotions from Jerrica, which kind of confuses me, because... There are times that I'm like, well, well, shouldn't you have the same emotions as Jerrica? It's just a holographic thing over you. And it does get a little weird, doesn't it? You're not even wearing a wig. <laughs> like, that, like, I really feel, and, and when you're watching it as a viewer, and that happens too, like, you start looking at Jem as completely separate individual. Um, because you're asked questions like, well, how can she put, because there are times when she's given an actual physical fashion to put on, you're like, how does she do that? Like, you can't put something over or you know when she has or to go have, swimming, she can go swimming. But if the earrings get wet, it makes the the hologram go away. But as long as she keeps her head above it, it is when Rio's kissing her. He's really actually kissing Jerrica because you're not kissing an image; you're kissing what's behind it. it it's just weird. It, it does get really weird. So, so doubling back, then we keep tangenting. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, the other podcast is the tangent. But so the two things: what age do you think this was geared to at the time when it came out? Probably preteens, I'd say. Like the the like ten to 10, 14. 9, 10, yeah. Because they had a doll line, so it had to be kids that were still playing with, you know, like Barbie doll line. It you definitely know, they wasn't. They had the dolls, the clothes, the car, instruments, the whole nine. You know, the same basically as if they had taken a Barbie line and just smacked Gem on it, made him look like Gem. Same idea, same right. choice. And um, so then now. If you, I mean, obviously we put it on with, with our daughter in the background, but if you were going to show it to her now, just to like give people an idea, what would be like the age, like like 12? No. Probably earlier? Six, seven. Six or seven? Think it's okay? I don't, I don't really see much of it that needs to be curtailed. I mean, the worst episode in there is the one with the drugs and it's kind of like even a half-ass drug addiction. It, it's true. It, she it, gets hooked on drugs after one pack of like four pills. It can happen. I mean, yeah, I'm sure I don't know. Nondescript about. pills. Yes. <laughs> they but look like Tylenol anyway. They do look like Tylenol. Like I thought that was hysterical. Yeah. And he gives her two different kinds and they look exactly the same. But anyways. But to me, it's, you know, but there's stuff in our family. 
I won't get into details on that she's going to have to deal with in real life that aren't far from me. So to me, I'm not worried about shielding her from that kind of stuff. I agree. It's going to be in her face as, you know, real life anywho, but. Okay, cool. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I need to really a certain age, maybe at four, five, six. No, but I watch it. So if it's on and I'm watching it and she's watching it and she doesn't, you know, I'm not going to talk to a six year old about relationships, you know. A boyfriend at six, when you're six years old, is just you hold hands on the playground for a week. And gotcha. Then there's cooties. Cooties. So then, okay, coming from that, is there anything that we, and obviously we're not sitting around watching current kids shows for this age group as much as, you know, maybe the Disney stuff. Um, but uh, is there is there anything similar that uh, like we've I, seen now? Like I'd say the, Hannah Montana. But yep. li- Hannah Montana's live action, but it's the same thing. Only this time it's a 12-year-old girl. You know, Hannah Montana's a 12-year-old girl. Well, this is a 20-something-year-old woman. That's the other thing is you never know how old they're supposed to be. Right, yeah. Some In some episodes they're drinking wine. And it would appear after college age because they do show Rio in college prior to... Because the it show starts right after Jericho's father dies. And prior to that, they show it a flashback Rio in college. So you have to assume it's at least mid-20s for Jerrica and maybe 2019 for Kimber. Because um, they're not that far apart in age, but you never really know how old any of them are. Okay, well then, so so there's that. So um, again, this is our first attempt at this. You know, the the idea is creating geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. It's gonna be kind of a short form. We're gonna go for about a half an hour an episode. That's what we're shooting for. And um, the idea is just to get something that we're nostalgic about that meant a lot to us as kids, revisit it, and decide whether or not um we think it's worthy or um a good idea to help it be formative for our children. Um, Because the best thing about media, the best thing about stories, the best thing about what makes you, you is that you can pass it along. And I think we saw a lot of the things we did by our parents showing us things from their childhood and things they were into as well. So, um, and God bless Netflix for bringing it back all. I don't know why, but in the last couple of years, they keep bringing back shows from when I was a kid, Heathcliff, She-Ra. I found She-Ra. Before I found Jim, and I nearly jumped off the couch. I was so excited because I love Shira too. Um, and shout out to my brother in law, Bob, who gave me a really awesome Shira figure for my birthday. That would be the movie, um, Bob. What else was that? I think Care Bears was originally, actually, have the original Care Bears animated series on DVD. But there's all kinds of cartoons that keep coming on and off on Netflix. And the other thing about Netflix with kids' shows is they do have like popular ones on now, like Sophia the First, and um, I think Elena of Avalor. But you can watch all the episodes with no toy commercials. Also good. So you don't have to sit there and be subjected to the the fad of the year. You know, if you're not that parent waiting in line at 5 a.m. at Target for a Hatchimal three weeks before Christmas. Okay. So um, with that, um, again, I'm Chris, the Chippa. The Chippa made this. Sarah. And um, as we like to say, um, hopefully this will catch on. It's never too, you're never too old to uh, be a geek and um, you're never too. uh, There's no shame to being a geek, no matter how old you are. This is Chris and Sarah until next time um, from creating geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. Have a great day. Truly outrageous.